The magical thing is when we start letting this information in from our whole soul, we start to realize how truly powerful we are, and we start to feel a whole new level of self-worth and security and peace and giant creative flow in the world because we reconcile the opposites in ourselves. I'm your host, Ksenia, and this week I have Carolyn Elliott, the author of Existential Kink, Unmask Your Shadow and Embrace Your Power, and of the cult favorite creativity book, Awaken Your Genius, which is based on the dissertation she wrote while getting her PhD in critical and cultural studies at the University of Pittsburgh. We talk about the principles of Carolyn's business and how she has doubled her income every year to up to almost a million dollars last year. We talk about creating organic virality around your offering before using Facebook ads and promoted Instagram posts. We talk about rewiring your response to scarcity and Carolyn's personal story of going from scarcity and poverty to abundance and wealth. We talk about shifting your money mentality working with money as a medicine spirit, different revenue streams of Carolyn's business, and of course, existential kink, what that means and how it relates to doing your shadow work as a big part of your way to full self-expression and success. And I personally took a lot out of this conversation and got re-inspired about my own online offerings So I hope that you are moved and inspired and find something interesting in this conversation as well. I'm super excited right now about the publication of my new book, Existential Kink, which officially comes out on March 1st. There's also an audible book version that was such a joy to record. And the book is basically about the way that all of us humans have unconscious desires, desires that have been suppressed, repressed, deep, deep within us that actually shape our lives. And the book is about how we can become aware of these previously unconscious desires and change our patterns based on that. Okay, so Existential Kink, the full name is Unmask Your Shadow and Embrace Your Power. I want to talk a little bit more about shadow and the role you've seen that play in your life as not just a human that that is constantly evolving and growing, but also how does that apply to entrepreneurs out there? Oh, thank you. I love this question. So it's interesting. So shadow work was a term created by the pioneering psychotherapist Carl Jung. And he basically talked about the shadow as everything in ourselves that we don't want to identify with, that we don't want to own up to. So we all like to think of ourselves as good people who only want good things. But there's a paradox, which is that we're all whole people. And we all have desires that um, conflict with what we consciously think that we want. And I can go into a lot of information about that. But sometimes I think there's a misconception about shadow work. I, I think sometimes people think it's just owning up to the fact that you have some negative emotions like, oh, yeah, I get angry. <laughs> I've integrated my shadow because I know that I get angry sometimes. That's not really what it, it, what it is. The things in our shadow 
you can't quite see them directly. They're not directly in your consciousness. And so I use a set of axioms to help me and my clients and the people in my online programs identify um, what might be desires in their shadows that need to be integrated. And one of those axioms, probably the most controversial and shocking one, is having is evidence of wanting. And it's a very, very powerful notion. And what it does is it allows me to look at my life and situations that are going on, even ones that I don't like, I apply that axiom to them. And I say to myself, you know, there's some part of me, some hidden part of me that really, really loves and cherishes this, even if I totally can't see it now. And the challenge is to get willing to gently, humorously become aware of the part of me that desires the somewhat yucky thing and give that desire so much approval, so much honor that I eventually can take an orgasmic level of pleasure in the fulfillment of it in my life. So I can give you some examples of that. Please. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, ears. The way that this all started was back when I, oh boy, this was like 2015. 2014, 2015, I was kind of just hobbling along in life. I was working as a freelance writer. I had graduated from a PhD program and decided not to become a professor. So I was just kind of hobbling along. And as a freelance writer, no matter how hard I worked, I couldn't seem to make more than the amount of money that I had always earned as a stipend in graduate school and sometimes less than that. And one day I was standing in line at the food bank. It was freezing cold. I was waiting for my box of like government produce. (laughs) And I was like feeling so humiliated, so defeated, so anxious about, you know, at the time I was like sleeping on somebody's couch and paying them like $100 a month (laughs) for that. And I didn't even know how I was going to pay that. And I remember thinking I had read all of this psychology in graduate school, all of this Jung and Freud. and Of course, I had also read a whole bunch of law of attraction stuff about, you know, you get what you desire. They usually put it in the form of like, if you think about this goal long enough, you know, you will manifest it. And I'd certainly had experiences of that. But there I was having this very unpleasant experience. And I thought to myself, I wonder if there is some part of me that gets some kind of kinky, twisted, freaky enjoyment (laughs) out of this humiliating, difficult, broke situation. So I was just so interested in that thought and it became a line of inquiry for me. And it took me a while, but eventually I found that if I really got quiet with myself and took deep breaths and went inward, I could find that there was indeed a part of me that desired and took pleasure in this very challenging, seemingly horrible situation I was in. And I thought to myself, you know, I was already familiar that time with doing sexuality work, tantric work, and I knew that there's a range of sensation that most people will let themselves receive. And anything outside that range of sensation, they won't be receptive to, or they they will perceive it as pain, even if it's, you know, a kind of sensation or a kind of touch that another person might find pleasurable. And so I thought to myself, wow, I wonder if I could just gently open up and expand my range of sensation here and allow myself to experience the sensations that I associate with this anxiety around paying the rent, this being broke, this having to scrounge around for food, 
can I allow myself to experience these sensations as pleasure? And can I allow myself to receive them fully to the point that I'm just orgasmically enjoying them? And I experimented with that and it took me some effort, but eventually I found that I was able to do exactly that. I felt these wild bolts of electricity going through me as I pondered, (laughs) you know, exactly the situation I was in. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I don't just have bedroom kink. You know, I think a lot of us in this 21st century know that BDSM is a thing and there's people all over the world in consensual situations who create agreements and containers and safe words and, you know, get tied up and get flogged by their partner or the other way around or a whole range of fun stuff. And I realized, wow, I don't just have a bedroom kink or a BDSM kink. I have an existential kink. There is a part of me that can take enormous pleasure in messed up situations. And I realized that indeed, that was why I was attracting and creating those situations was because a part of me just loved it, loved, loved, loved it. And the thing was, as long as I didn't let myself acknowledge that and didn't let myself enjoy and celebrate the pleasure that was in that, I just kept perpetuating the situation because my shadow desire was just trying to get fulfillment. And until that fulfillment was consciously received, it didn't know how to let go and how to stop going after what it wanted. But a funny thing happened just about a few weeks after I really got off on my broke situation, which was that I actually, I I mean, it's the timeline is fuzzy for me now. It was, it was almost immediately that I started being flooded with all sorts of inspiration and ideas for business stuff that, you know, wasn't super far out. It was stuff that I theoretically could have done at any time, but I had previously been blind to it. I was, you know, it was not on my radar because I was identified as somebody who was suffering and struggling. And getting off on my situation allowed me to switch my identity at a deep level to see myself as somebody who was fulfilled and powerful, who was getting exactly what a deep part of me wanted. I was flooded with all this creative ideas and energy, and I started building my business up. And within a year, I built you know, a business that was bringing in $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month. And so that was around 2014, 2015. It's 2020 now. My business is a seven-figure business now. And since then, I've applied the existential kink process to many other things in my life. And I've, apl- I've taught other people how to apply it. And they've thousands of people have seen huge dramatic shifts through doing this kind of integrative work. So I'm very excited about it. And I'll pause <laughs> and see if you have anything to, <laughs> to say or ask. First of all, whoa. I am taking so many notes. There's so many directions that we can take this. And I just first want to acknowledge that to me personally, and I'm sure that to a lot of people listening, this is taking all the work we've done to the next level of depth. I remember about probably in 2013, I went on this full moon women's retreat. And at that time, I was really in the depth of my journey with yoga and meditation and learning about goddess circles. And it was really becoming a huge part of what drove me to do business and to live. And I remember picking up a deck of Oracle cards called, I think it's called the Isis deck. And it was all about the shadow work. And I remember pulling out a card and reading about a message 
that had to do with integrating my shadow and facing it and looking at myself in the mirror and being with it. And that was the first time in my entire life where I realized, whoa, I can actually create the space to be with my shadow instead of suppressing it and feeling shame and just trying to avoid it. And so that was a culmination point in my life where I just started doing so much more personal work that went way deeper than anything before that. But what you're saying now is opening a whole new realm for me that has to do, okay, what if I not just be with it and see where it's coming from, but also create the safe space for it to play out fully? So with that, my question to you, Carolyn, is, well, first of all, from a philosophical standpoint and also practical standpoint, when we have that shadow desiring something and being sort of in the driver's seat in our lives, and then there's some sort of a payoff, right? So if we if we give the shadow what it wants, it gets X or it prov- or it's saving us from X, something that we're scared of. So what is the payoff with those kinds of situations where uh, we take pleasure in messed up situations? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so like I said, there there's always an unconscious actual pleasure. The psychoanalyst Jacques Lacan called it jouissance, which means this pleasure that's so unbearable that we repress it. And it's unbearable because it has to do with the other side of human experience that we are usually go around thinking that we don't want, like death, destruction, pain, all of this rejection, failure, this whole other side of life that is an inextricable part of being incarnated as a human being on this planet. Everybody alive experiences failure, pain, suffering, death, but the ego is 1000% only concerned with survival naturally. I mean, who we want to survive. And so to survive, we want success, health, wealth, you know, all of the things that people are always (laughs) posting about and showing off. And it's, that of course is supernatural, super, it is supernatural. It is natural. And, but we are more than just our egos. In fact, you know, we are souls. And as souls, we, we were floating in the divine ether And one day we decided, hey, I want to take the roller coaster ride of experiencing duality. I want to experience birth and death, joy and pain, youth and age, the whole gamut. And so we we incarnated here. Otherwise, we would have just swum around in the cosmic bliss, but we wanted to try this out. So there is indeed a part of all of our souls that wants very, very dark things things that are exactly the opposite of what our ego constantly wants, which is good stuff that will facilitate survival. So, and the thing is, is that as long as we ignore, like we've been talking about, ignore or shame or guilt or repress this part of ourselves, that pleasure remains unconscious. But it is possible to give ourselves permission in a container. I usually recommend that people set aside about 15 minutes, set a timer, maybe light some incense and a candle and create sacred space for yourself. Just give yourself permission to say, hey, I will let this come into my awareness. And it can take some time, but when you get to it, it can be very, very intense. Just like Jacques Lacan said, it can be overwhelmingly intense. So you have to be ready um, and willing to breathe with it and feel it. And it can feel like jolts of electricity shaking you sometimes. And sometimes it can be much gentler. It can be soft heart openings, laughter, things like that, just feeling tickled. 
but I loved what you said about the shame and the guilt and realizing that you could set it aside because that really is the key to this work. Like so many times when people first hear about my message, they think to themselves like, oh, well, this is something about victim blaming or if I created it, I must wanted it. I must wanted it. And that means I'm a terrible person for having wanted this terrible thing. And I always say like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we all want terrible things. Absolutely every one of us, we all die. And there's a part of us that always desires death. And Freud talked about this a lot. He talked about there's, in all of us, there's eros, desire, the drive for more life. And there's thanatos, death, the desire to, to rest, to go back to inertia. And these drives are constantly competing in all of us. And this is very well known um, you know, throughout the founding works of psychotherapy, but it's been very little discussed in pop psychology or personal development or spiritual development. And I think it's been so little discussed because it is extremely offensive to the ego. The ego wants to think, hey, I am all that exists. I'm the center of this show. I only want good stuff all the time. And I'm a good person all the time. <laughs> it doesn't want information from the whole rest of the soul. But the magical thing is when we start letting this information in from our whole soul, we start to realize how truly powerful we are. And we start to feel a whole new level of self-worth and security and peace and giant creative flow in the world because we come we reconcile the opposites in ourselves and that's an achievement that jung said was equivalent with what the ancient alchemists called the creation of the philosopher's stone so the philosopher's stone is a very interesting idea it sounds very strange like what's that the philosopher's stone and it sounds like it should be a stone <laughs> actually is stone refers to crystal the crystallization of the whole personality of the whole soul all of the good and evil the life and the death within us and philosopher of course refers to a lover of wisdom philo is lover sophia is wisdom a philosopher is somebody who loves wisdom so by loving wisdom loving the embrace of everything that is we can crystallize the opposites within our souls into this kind of deep, deep connective experience with our higher selves. And so I, th I think I may be sounding a little bit flighty because I am super excited right now on my absolute favorite, favorite topic. So I'm going to get quiet for a second and <laughs> let you talk. I'm an unlimited vessel for questions. So anytime you're not sure where to take the conversation, uh, I'm here. <laughs> so before we get to the more actionable steps and how you actually went from standing in the line for food to running a seven-figure business, I want to spend a little more time in that space that you refer to as a quiet space where you let in information from your soul. So are there certain prompts that we should follow if we want to give that a try? Yes. So this this whole process I outline in my book, Existential Kink, which is available now from Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and it'll be out with local independent booksellers on March 1st, and it's on Audible. And in the book... Um, is, is it your voice on Audible? It is my voice on Audible. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it was super fun reading the whole book out loud. But um, so I 
So actually I have an existential kink meditation process that I teach. And the meditation process is pretty simple. It's just like I said, creating a container for yourself, setting a timer, lighting some incense, helping yourself get calm and situated, relaxing, taking some deep breaths, softening your muscles. And then I recommend bringing to mind a situation that you don't like. And I I never, sometimes people hear about this and they want to start with the worst trauma that they ever experienced. (laughs) And I definitely do not recommend that. Although it's, it's possible to apply this work to that. And some people have successfully, I have successfully. It's usually only after many years of doing this work on more daily frustration kind of things. Like I really like this guy, but he keeps rejecting me sort of stuff. So let's take that example. I really like this guy. He keeps rejecting me. So then I would bring to mind this feeling of rejection. So you get quiet, you bring to mind the situation, and you allow the sensations connected with the don't like situation to to (laughs) rise in your body. So let's say there's in this feeling of rejection, maybe there's a sense of, of humiliation, and maybe there's a sense of, you know, some anxiety, like what if nobody will ever love me? And these feelings, you know, they have specific qualities in the body. So the humiliation might feel like warmth in my cheeks. The anxiety might feel like my heart beating faster. So the first step is to just ask myself, you know, can I gently, humorously, lovingly allow myself to experience these sensations as pleasure? Can I expand my sensational range beyond what I ordinarily perceive as pleasure, and just allow for the possibility that there's a part of me that just truly can enjoy this. And can I tap into that? Spend some time doing that. And then I recommend that people use what I call existential kink statements. And I give a whole bunch of them in the book. But existential kink statements are sort of things saying to yourself things like, I am allowed to take pleasure in every part of my existence, including this. I am allowed to enjoy absolutely everything I create, including this. I am willing to set aside any guilt or any shame and just simply ecstatically delight in my life like the God creator that I am. Things along these lines. I'm willing to stop denying that a part of me enjoys this. (laughs) I'm willing to stop shaming the part of me that is so turned on by this rejection. I am willing to stop feeling guilty about the fact that I find this really delicious. And just saying those sorts of things to yourself while you continue to relax with the sensation and pay attention, you know, as you say the statements to yourself, something might shift in your body in response. Oftentimes I find the first few times I do existential kink on a given topic I will feel it very lightly in my body. I'll just be able to feel maybe some buzzing sensations, maybe some warmth around my heart, and it'll be tough to get to the actual current of electricity that's there because it is unconscious. So it takes some repeated effort of excavating and digging and being curious and being open and setting aside my guilt and my shame And really reminding myself that there's no point in being ashamed of it because everybody does it. (laughs) Everybody has these these patterns that we that they create. And so I do that. And then after a few sessions, I'm usually able to get to a place where it's more sensational. 
And sometimes people tell me that, oh, I feel numb when I try to think about it. And I say, well, the key to that is just relaxing more. So taking a hot bath, maybe doing some yoga before you lay down to do your existential kink practice, whatever it takes to relax yourself and open yourself up. Sometimes people tell me that they really benefit from ceremonially using plant medicines like cacao. I know that you enjoy cacao. I do too very much. Love, love cacao spirit. Or sometimes people find that cannabis is something that really gives them more access to their unconscious. And that's been my experience too. So there's a range of possibilities for calling on plant allies to help open that up. And yeah, and eventually what happens is it comes to some kind of climax. And it might take months or weeks or might take days, but eventually there's some sort of like shift in my relationship to this thing. And it's usually there's a sensational, intense, climactic shift where I finally let all of that pleasure that I've been repressing flow through me. I'm open to it completely. And after that, something in my external world starts to shift. I usually, I start to get a whole bunch of new inspirations, synchronicities happening, ideas coming to me that were just were not coming to me previously. And when that thing comes up, when that same thing happens, like when I experience scarcity, like I look at my bank account and it's low, or I get a giant bill, or I get rejected from somebody that I like, Instead of having the same old response that I usually would have, which was like, you know, shutting down, getting anxious, freaking out. Instead, I'm like, oh, here we go. (laughs) It's happening. My favorite thing. And I can let myself in the moment feel those sensations as basically a kinky game that I'm playing with the universe. And I truly believe that, you know, in the Vedas, and it talks about Atman is Brahman. And the individual soul is the God soul. And the wonderful British philosopher Alan Watts said that you could sum up the Vedas by saying that the world is a game of God playing hide and seek with God's self. And I think that that is so, so true that we are all, we are all the divine and we are all in disguise and that there's so much fun in waking up and and realizing truly that we are the divine when we thought that we weren't. We thought I was just Carolyn or just Ksenia, but actually I'm the whole thing. So that's so much fun. And what's, what we can also notice just by looking around the world is that God is one kinky ass person. I mean, look at all of the extreme pain, the extreme bondage, the extreme dominance and submission, master and slave dynamics all over the earth, all through history. And of course, they have a tragic, tragic element to them that needs to be grieved. But I like to say, I I learned this from my friends, Tani and Leslie at the Dark Light Institute, who hold live kink workshops that are very brilliant, that grief and pleasure are on a circular spectrum. And the more we can allow ourselves to truly feel our grief in our experience, the more we can truly feel our pleasure. And then when we try to minimize those, when we try to not feel our grief, then we feel less pleasure. When we try to not feel our pleasure, we have less access to the grief. So for me, I find that there's great value in opening myself to that full circular spectrum and being willing to feel the depths of what I honestly feel about everything. And what I think is interesting is 
our modern culture isn't super wonderful at feeling grief, but it's better at feeling grief than it is at taking deep hedonistic pleasure in challenging situations. So what I mean by that is if you are going through something hard, you can easily find a therapist who will sit and help you grieve. But finding somebody who will help you take masochistic or sadistic delight (laughs) in what you're experiencing is harder, which is why I'm training coaches and doing a whole thing around that. But um, yes, so I'll I'll pause and, and I'll see if you have any questions now. Yes, my question, even though it's theory for me now at this point, this is all brand new to my experience. The question that arises right away is, because this existential kink process seems like it comes with the aftermath of shifting your perception of reality, how do you not take it too far and let your kink basically rule who you are on a daily basis? Well, so... I aspire to letting it rule who I am on a daily basis because it's basically an attitude of being willing to fully feel and celebrate everything. And that celebration can sometimes be grieving or anger, or that celebration can be this delicious orgasmic pleasure. There's a whole range of possibilities there, but it's basically like... um, I like to say that everything that I experience, that that we all experience, is like it's a stroke from the universe. So sort of like a stroke in lovemaking, like a a lover giving you a tender caress. Everything is a stroke from the universe. Every comment on social media, every change of the weather, everything my partner says, every thought that I have, it's all strokes. And the challenge is, you know, Well, the possibility is it's possible to get off on every stroke, meaning it's possible to have a relationship of approval and enjoyment with everything in experience, even if that enjoyment takes the form of grief or rage or or sadistic or masochistic pleasure, whatever it may be. And most people go around having a very disapproving, resentful relationship with life (laughs) because there's so much to, you know, in other words, we let ourselves be turned off instead of turned on. So, you know, somebody says something nasty to us on social media, somebody disagrees with us in a conversation, we get a bill in the mail, we feel rejected by our partner, and we, we turn off and we at least I do. I'm, I can feel, you know, very self-pitying or very like, life is so hard, anything like that. And I'm saying there's this other possibility of really receiving everything in, in a delighted, deep, deep way that's just really, really riding and really getting off on everything, just like people can get off on very painful, challenging things in a set BDSM container with agreements. The challenge is, is that in life, there's no safe words, right? Like life is a dom that (laughs) hears no safe words. You can't yell out, red, stop. (laughs) It won't stop. It keeps happening. So to me, what that means is I am both the dom and the sub. I'm the only one who can hear my safe word. I'm the only one who can um, take responsibility for creating my relationship to my experience. So... I'm not, when I talk about this and I talk about the potential of enjoying everything that exists, that doesn't mean that 
I don't believe in saying, you know, in never saying no to anything or never distancing myself from a person who bothers me (laughs) or whatever. I mean, I totally love sovereignty and agency and having lots of boundaries and, you know, doing whatever you need to do to feel like your time and your energy are exactly as you want them to be. But I don't think that any of that has to be done in a spirit of resentment or a spirit disapproval. So taking all of that and applying it to business, can you give us a glimpse into first where your business is at now and and what the revenue streams are and what you're giving your energy to? And then walk us through the process of how did you go from standing in that line and creating the quiet space, exploring your existential kink, and then building what you have built up to now? Yes, wonderful question. So uh, the existential kink really did have a huge part of it because it helped me also integrate and accept qualities in my personality that I previously had not had any acceptance for, like being power hungry, like loving money, <laughs> like loving, you know, all of all of that stuff. I previously had been very disapproving of that, and those qualities were pushed into my shadow. So as I integrated those, that fueled my creativity. And basically, my business initially grew through me writing articles and linking back to my email list. And I would publish those articles on popular online magazine sites like Elephant Journal and Rebel Society. And they would get shared. I think my one article got shared over a million times. It was called Seven Traits of Highly Magical People. And then people would join my email list. And for a while, I was just doing like one-on-one coaching which I love to do. But eventually, I started doing courses. So I put together my first course was about viral writing called Thrill. And that course, the launch of that, my first ever launch was to an email list of just about just a few hundred people, because even though my articles have been shared so many times, I don't know, there was, I was still had glitchy with email. This was back in, I guess, 2015. And I grew my, I had a, a magazine called Witch, which is sort of slowing down right now. But I would also share articles on my magazine, Witch, and promote those. Anyways, the first course made about $8,000, and that blew my mind. I was so excited. I immediately left the <laughs> the relationship I was in, which was a whole story. It was, I was dating a controlling, abusive guy, and I used existential kink to free myself of the hooks that I felt in that relationship, and got on a plane, went to Bali, stayed in Bali for about seven months. And then I traveled around Europe doing the whole digital nomad thing. It was so, so fun. And during that time, I was teaching and selling more courses. One of my most popular courses ever is called Influence, which is an introduction to practical magic, mastering practical magic. So we do planetary magic primarily and influence and people and I taught existential kink and influence and people had astounding results with that many people who took my thrill course also had really great results with massively growing their audience and influence through writing and right now boy I've done a number of courses so I did in partnership with the wonderful Dave Burns we did a course called money which is all about working with money as a medicine spirit just work with ayahuasca And money is a very, very trippy, very, very interesting spirit indeed. So people have had amazing results from that course. And then I partnered with Dave's wife, Carolyn Burns, one of my other best friends. 
And we wrote a course called Love, which is all about a fairy tale love and how to experience that and how to cultivate that. And people have, it's just, there's been a number of marriage proposals in that course already, which makes my heart very happy. And right now I'm getting ready to launch a membership program called Wealth, which has a number of amazing features in it. But the main drive of wealth is the creation of what I was talking about earlier, the Philosopher's Stone. And the amazing thing about the Philosopher's Stone, which is deep union, deep awareness of our higher self, not just as a nice intellectual idea, but as a very felt, visceral, electric, embodied knowing that you are a vast, immortal, divine self. Once you have that, you know, the alchemists used to say, once you make the Philosopher's Stone, you can turn anything into gold. You can turn lead into gold. You can turn any poison into medicine. And I've found that to be very, very true, at least metaphorically, in that the more I cultivate this connection to my larger self through reconciling the opposites in me through existential kink work and other things with magic, I'm able to transform the lead in my life, the suffering, the poison, the negativity into, you know, joy, love, beauty, actual material money and wealth. So it's an amazing process. And this membership program is dedicated to exploring that. And it's going to feature a lot of exciting things, including the social connection, virtual events called power-ups that I've designed. And also I'm going to be leading a study seminar on deep topics in the history of psychology, philosophy, magic, and hermeticism. So a whole, whole lot of exciting things. So the trajectory was basically my business doubled every year since 2015. Some not so doubling. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with numbers and math. All I know is in 2019, my the revenue was about 530,000. And then this year we succeeded in getting it to seven figures of sales. So revenue was about 950,000, but also, but totaling in the sales of the year, it was over seven figures in sales. So I'm sorry, over dollars in sales. So, and that's all from the online courses, all from the online courses. And we've achieved a lot of that, you know, initially, like I said, I was relying mostly on organic virality, but then we shifted into focusing more on Facebook ads to promote lead magnets and things like that. So yes, that's how I've been doing it. But virality is still an important part of what I do. I mean, if you don't understand how to make something compelling, then it won't have legs even as an ad. So yeah, it's fascinating. I I love the world of online business and I'm so glad that you asked. Hmm. So there's so many people out there that want to launch a course, have an offering. For years, I had a very clear calling to put a program out there that brings together principles of personal growth, spiritual growth, um, and strategical, analytical, smart social media strategy to create impact and get your work out there and get money into your bank account. And it took me many, many years before I really stepped into acknowledging that calling and trusting it and putting my course out there. And when I did, the results blew me away so far with every launch. But I know that there's so many people out there who are still toying with the idea and 
one of the things that stops people from putting out offerings, including online courses, especially the kind of person that's listening to Woke and Wired is we don't want to follow the templates. I don't want to follow someone else's what they call swipes, those emails that can come off very salesy and just not aligned with a more intuitive flow of things. And in my launches so far, I've relied fully onto intuition and smart strategy and also my own virality. So no paid ads or anything like that. I know to take it to the next level, it's going to take some other tools outside of that toolbox. But still, I trust that there's a way to do it without compromising the integrity of intuitive flow of the way things that I do. I'm curious, what was your experience when you were launching those programs? Was there a teacher you were looking up to or were you inventing a completely new way of doing it? Yeah, beautiful question. So I did get a lot of inspiration from Jeff Walker's book, Launch, which I think is pretty much like the classic in the field of email marketing. And so that was how I got the initial confidence to even try it because I was also (laughs) really scared. But once I tried it and I did sort of stick kind of closely to some of his methods at first, I eventually moved on and developed sort of my own pattern. But basically, you know, the principles of sales, the principles of getting people to know, like, and trust you and to believe that you can give them the results that you are promising to give them are pretty much the same. It basically, in my experience, people want to, they want a sense of story, a sense of like knowing who I am as a character, a sense of knowing what I stand for. They want to hear, they want to, they want me to teach them some of what I know, you know, for free. So they get a sense of like the depth of what's possible for them to experience with me. Um, So that's a lot of what I do is with my email list, I try to teach and try to give away as much as I can and let people experience what it's like to learn from me. And then I make offers like, okay, I've created this thing that has all of these, you know, support elements in it and interaction elements in it. Uh, would you like to come join me? And then, you know, a goodly number of them say yes. (laughs) So are those courses still available or are you scaling it all into the membership? And if so, then why do you see the opportunity in switching your energy to membership site? Yeah, wonderful question. So my idea, so the courses are sort of on the shelf for now. I'm not ruling it completely out that I might ever launch them again. I tried building evergreen funnels. And for me, it was just, I couldn't get the hang of it, even with a lot of help. It was just too, I really rely on trusting my intuition and the energy of a live launch. So I might launch those courses again. But my dream with the membership is to create something that I can just grow and grow and grow, sort of like putting all of my energy into one basket kind of idea. and having a unified focus. That's a major theme in my work, actually, is having a unified will, like unifying our conscious and our unconscious wills. And so with my membership, I'm creating a unified will, something that sums up really the essence of what I'm about, which is creating large capacity (laughs) to receive spiritual and material wealth alchemically. And yeah, moving forward with that, I guess I... The thing with the courses is I love them. And like I said, I might run them again. I would probably hire 
assistant teachers to do the live element of them. Like I usually do Q and A's and a lot of Facebook commenting in my groups. I would probably hire an assistant teacher to do that element basically because I get bored answering the same questions over and over again. (laughs) Like I've run influence probably at least eight or nine times. And people will ask, should I work with Jupiter or should I work with Venus for my planetary magic? And I'm like, oh boy, (laughs) I've answered that question so many times, I can't do it again. So there's that. I need to. So basically, with my wealth membership, I found a way to create something that's going to be, you know, fresh and ongoing for me. And I may find another way to give the value of my previous courses without me tiring myself out there. But yeah. Okay, so I want to dial into, I'll give you two choices of topics of what we want to offer to everyone listening. We can either go into the money as medicine spirit, or we can go into how the principles of influences of the, of your influence course and principles uh, apply to the social media age. Oh, wow. I love it. I think I will choose the latter one, since actually Dave Burns is really, I mean, I co-wrote the money course with him, but he really gets money spirit work on a whole next level deeper than I do. So you should call him up again if you want to hear about that. For me, the, I'll just add, I do the kind of wealth magic that I do is a different kind of wealth magic regularly, which has more to do with planetary work and alchemical work. And it's a bit complex to explain, but I'll just leave that there for now. And question about influence. So beautiful. Okay, so I'll just, I'll start by saying that all alchemical work, and by extension, all magical work, operates on principles of solve and coagula. So those were the terms that the Latin terms that the alchemists used, which means solve means dissolve, to separate, and coagula means to bring together again, to coagulate. (laughs) So first, we have to dissolve the old pattern and coagulate a new one, bring together a new one. And the idea is that we dissolve the old thing and we bring together the elements that we've dissolved into a new, more powerful, more beautiful and harmonious organization. So for example, the idea was that alchemists would work on lead and they would do all these processes with it and they would eventually organize the same elements, the same particles of lead into gold, which actually can be done in a particle accelerator. They were absolutely right that that can be done. It's way more expensive to do it than to just mine for gold, (laughs) but it can be done. And likewise, my favorite example from nature, because they were drawing on nature for inspiration, is the caterpillar dissolves completely in its cocoon into goo, and then it reorganizes, it reforms itself as a butterfly. It coagulates into a butterfly, which is a, a new, more beautiful, more finely organized more powerful in some ways form since it can fly. So that's what we want to do in everything with magic and in social media and in business. So I love, for example, your advice of unfollowing everybody on your Instagram feed that isn't truly nurturing you and inspiring you. That is fantastic. I've spent all morning unfollowing people. (laughs) I'm so ecstatic about it. And that's an excellent solve practice. That's an excellent way to take that's dissolving the old thing that was there and making room for something new to come in. Likewise, you know, if you're ever feeling stuck, I find it's great to clean out a closet that's full of junk. And then, (laughs) you know, you start feeling new energy. 
Likewise, existential kink is a solve process. It works to dissolve and liberate the erotic energy that I was previously unconsciously investing in enjoying some freaky situation. And I liberate that energy and then I can use that energy. I can pour it into something new, something consciously, deliberately created. So one example with social media would be, you know, deliberately unfollowing everything that's not truly nurturing me. And then I might find that, as you've described, you know, you that lets you have the space to have more creativity and more energy to know what you truly want to contribute. That's an excellent example of it. The principles and influence that we work with. So I'll give another metaphor here, which is planetary influence. So like I said, influence is all about planetary magic. So the way the planetary magic works is we recognize that there's constant ongoing relationship and correspondence between our lives and these kind of these seven fundamental energies that are represented in the sky by the planets but they're also deities they're also gods they're spirits they're not just the rocks that are the planets they're spirits and we can cultivate relationships with those spirits one way to cultivate relationships with them is by paying attention to astrology and starting to understand, you know, how your natal chart affects you, how your the transits affect you, you know, are you going through a Saturn return? Do you have a Pisces moon? Are you very sensitive? Those kinds of things. That's one way to start building a relationship with them. The next level of that is doing planetary magic. So that involves creating a relationship of mutual influence with a planet. So for example, for a long time, I regularly did Jupiter work. So I would select a day, which is Jupiter's day, which is Thursday. I would create on my altar a series of things which correspond to Jupiter. So four is Jupiter's number. So I would have four candles and I would have his um, number square drawn out and sigils corresponding to Jupiter. And I would have roast meat for him, which Jupiter traditionally likes and alcohol and white sage, which corresponds to to Jupiterian influences, and invoke and pray to Jupiter for help with expanding my business. So in that, I was giving an offering to Jupiter, and I was asking for something. And that's how all uh, social media and business works, in my experience, is you offer something, and you ask for something. <laughs> you know, if you just you offer 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 endlessly and you never ask for anything in return, you know you don't get it. Um likewise, if you just ask 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 for stuff and you never give anything of value, nobody wants to give to you. So, creating a relationship with a planet is like that. You show up, you give offerings, you give praise, you create a series of correspondences that resonates with that planetary energy, thereby inviting that planetary energy into your sphere. And then, you know, I would create a talisman. So I would put my petition, I would put herbs that correspond to the planet, I would put oils, um, things of that nature inside a cloth bag that corresponded to the planet's color and carry that around with me. And it works like magic. <laughs> I mean, so I built my, the so Jupiter magic was the primary wealth magic that I did for a long time until I started working with Dave on the money spirit magic. And that's also been very beautiful for me. And now I've transitioned into working more with 
Dionysus Pluto for money magic, which is a more underworld kind of darker form of money magic that's also very beautiful and transformative and healing. But I'll, I'll pause there. You were saying wow. Were you saying wow about Ksenia? Well, it's just so many things. It's its own signs. I feel like there needs to be a master's degree just for working with the planets. Maybe there is, and I just don't know about it. Well, there's influence. There's my course. And <laughs> um, there's also a wonderful book by Christopher Warnock, who is sort of a grumpy Renaissance specialist called Planetary Magic, just Planetary Magic. You can find it on Amazon. And if they're curious, I recommend that as a place to start. And since you're, you're getting me excited, I might have to offer influence again soon. Maybe I'll offer it in the summer after I open the wealth membership because it's very, very powerful stuff. The only context I had heard about alchemy and working with planets and days and corresponding cohesive ways before was actually on this podcast episode 12, where I had Jason Scott, a mycologist, come on, who works with mushrooms and makes mushroom tinctures. And he makes it corresponding with the planets. And he applies those principles of alchemy. So now that you brought it into awareness as something that can be applied to business, it's just a whole new world. So thank you for opening that up, for sharing the existential kink process. I feel like We've covered so much, and yet there's still so much more we could go into. But I'm going to allow this to sink in. And before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share, Carolyn? Oh, well, I guess I just want to say out there to everyone that if you have situations in your life that you don't like, I hope you feel free to set aside any guilt, any shame, and joyfully orgasmically revel in the big freaky sadomasochistic <laughs> delight that you've created for yourself and and that it's truly possible to enjoy everything in life every stroke in this making love with our lover the universe thank you carolyn and what's the best way for everyone to connect with you and your work yes the best way to connect with me is to go to carolyngraceelliot.com Elliot has two L's and two T's and join, enter your email, join my email list through the forms on that site. And we can stay connected that way. You can also follow me on Instagram at Carolyn Elliot underscore where, you know, I share pictures from my life and fun stuff fun insights. And yeah, yeah, those are the ways. Oh, and, and, you know, please buy my book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, read it, love it, share it with your friends review it on Amazon. (laughs) And that will make me and you very happy. I promise. All the things. And as someone who has a product on Amazon, I can attest to how important it is for businesses to actually have those reviews to actually get seen by people. So yes, if you know, this goes both to your book, Carolyn, but also guys, if you're listening and there's something that has really profoundly moved you and expanded you and inspired you and made a difference in your life, go and review it on Google, on Amazon, wherever that is. It really makes a big difference for those who are creating those things. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Carolyn, for the conversation. And until next week. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. 
And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.